Welcome to the Wildlands. I'm Matt. And I'm David. And today's episode is sponsored by West End Sports, your five-star Yamaha dealer in northeastern New Brunswick, where you are sure to find something that revs your heart. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about hobbies, the sportsman's off-season pastime, as well as safety, a hunter's true trophy. And make sure to stay tuned till the end of the episode, where we'll give you our insight on the product of the day. So let's jump right into it. All right, so again, we're on to, uh, well, the follow-up episode to our very first French episode, uh, entirely yes. French episode that we did, which was episode 5.5. So right now we are in episode 6 of season 2. And yes. as our first subject, as we mentioned, it is hobbies, the sportsman's off-season pastime. Now, this is something that we hold pretty much, you know, dear to us in a certain sense, because this is something that we do and that we we practice and there's different varieties. Like for instance, Matt, I know that you really like, you know, tie, fly tying. Being yeah, definitely. one of your your high-end priorities that you do on your off season. Would you like to elaborate on that a little? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh fly tying for me is something that that brings me a lot of satisfaction too when you get to go out and and catch a fish on a fly you made yourself. I mean, it it makes it that much better. Yeah, I but, dabbled in it a little bit, but not that well. <laughs> yeah, but the thing that, that makes it fun for uh, what I like about it as well is the fact that, uh, you know, there's a lot of salmon fishermen, there's a lot of, of trout fishermen, there's a lot of, you know, but again, coming back to something that we spoke about in the last episode that is also dear to us is striped bass fishing. Yep. Um, you know, there's not many people out there doing it. Uh we're here in town. I mean, I rarely see anybody on the shore fly fishing for stripers, yeah, it, and it, it's like flies a, are hard to come by. Yeah, it, it's really a, uh, it's kind of like a scarce kind of thing. Like people just isolate themselves to saying fly fishing's for trout and salmon. Yeah, exactly. But it, it, it's not true. You know, you you can fly fish even off of a kayak. Like one of the the activities exactly. that you guide, one of the the, the mm-hmm. you know the main things that you do in the summertime i mean if a client brings a fly rod they can use it (laughs) i guess even better like i don't supply the fly rods for anybody because it's too hard to try to teach somebody to fly fish for striped bass in the four or five hours we're out fishing but anybody that is an avid fly fisherman that wants to bring their gear out hey i will not say no because then i just get to enjoy myself as well (laughs) yeah exactly but coming to the fly tying is you know when i started googling all kinds of of patterns for this and going to local fly tires here in town uh looking for them and there was nothing really available i just decided to to get myself into it you know bought my first kit you know the cheap uh the cheap walmart kit yeah the, the one that ordered, comes with ordered, everything yeah but ended up not using half that stuff <laughs> because it wasn't the stuff i need for for bass uh flies yep. and ended no, up you know ordering a bunch of stuff online and getting it in and practicing and screwing up a lot of flies at first. But I mean, over the years, over the last, uh, the course of, you know, seven, eight years, I, I've gotten pretty good at it and I've designed my own. People ask me what my flies are called. And I'm like, Hey, I tied something that looked like something I thought was going to catch some stripers and it works. Yep. So they're just, that's why I just called, I just called them all the, uh, the bass attack fly. Yep. But, uh, you know, and actually something that I remember too, is, uh, one of the videos, one of the trailers that we, we shot for the, uh, catch and kayak trailer. 
you yes. actually used one of the flies that you uh, you had tied yourself for yes. first striped bass, and and I mean you know I find that it's it's actually something that's really interesting. It's really fun because it there's not that high of a of a percentage of people that actually tie flies. Uh, for that type of species that is here, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, exactly. Y- you don't like, get I, that many. I people get a bunch of people. It. I get a bunch of people asking me all the time if I tie some for them, and like I was speaking to you earlier today, we're kind of working on a little bit of a project here to uh, me and and somebody else on tying a bunch of flies and getting them out there a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna be busy at that for for the next little bit. Yeah. But. You know, you've seen the flies. They're they're basically a for anybody out there that's a fly fisherman. They're basically a large streamer hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like using the offset hooks uh, that I used to use for uh, tying my my uh, salmon streamers. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, straight shank, long uh, offset. Um, I'm trying to think. I I think it's like a size. Two watt, I think, is what I got. But anyway, um, basically, basically, it's a it's a bucktail streamer. Okay. But uh, I added some uh, some mylar tubing on the body. Some and, mylar uh, tubing, yeah, uh, to try to give it a little you know, bit it more like size. Gives to it, it the shine. Yeah, yeah it, it gives, gives it the shine. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It gives it that minnow shine type thing. Yep. And uh, again, like uh, we were speaking about the last one, is I prefer having a lure that you know, lengthwise is looking somewhat more like a sand eel. Yeah. So I'm trying to tie it, you know, the hook itself is probably somewhere around two inches long. And I'm trying to put some bucktail on the back of that for another two to three inches. So, and then uh, I also put some crystal flash in the tail. Okay. Some flash. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get that to, you know, somewhere around five, five and a half inches long for my fly. Yep. Uh, Not weighted, uh, no weight to it. I mean, at, at that size of bucktail and everything else, once it's wet, it's heavy enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's and, a, it's uh, actually funny because I've tried weighted. Uh, uh, like I've I've tied a few, and then I've tried to put some weights yeah. on it and whatnot. Uh, and I guess one of the things, one of the downsides that I find about it, um, out of the the minnows that I I tied, uh, is the the air resistance. I mean, it's it's very select yes. on what type of rod you can use for different type. You know like, what I mean, like. I think that may be one of the main deterrents that people have because maybe they try it, but on the wrong size rod. They try a Definitely. large fly on a wrong size rod, and they, it's just like... Definitely. It it, it whips everywhere. <laughs> exactly. I mean, on your back cast, you have a fly that's that's either slowing down, like gravity's affecting it really bad, and it's coming yep. down. Yep. And then as soon as you try to, to, to cast back out, you're just whipping the sand behind you. Or you're, you know, it's, uh, yeah. you got to match everything. For, I tried weighted as well and ended up having the same problem. Yep. And I figured maybe it was something like the weight was a little touchy on it. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, I wonder if weighted know, flies would might not be better in terms of, uh, let's say if you're going to be using it for, uh, trolling behind a kayak or something like that. I'm guessing that would be weighted okay. head on that. Uh, whereas yeah. we, I mean, we put so much, material on the fly itself mm-hmm. like just for a regular let's say casting uh rod or well, a regular yep. fly rod uh that maybe in that sense then maybe you go with you know you don't have to have it weighted because you've already put so much material so much meat on there 
that uh, exactly yeah so i find but anybody that's yeah anybody that's interested in in getting into fly dyeing uh like you just mentioned make sure you you kind of do your homework uh for the size of fly you're going to be tying to match it to your fly rod as well if you want to do both yeah, if you're either new to both or uh new to 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 just the fly tying make sure you're you know you're matching a little bit not to discourage yourself yeah you match with the weight of rod that you're using because otherwise if you're not matching the weight of rod you're going to get yeah like you said you're going to get pretty discouraged pretty fast thinking that yeah. you're not tying the right thing but you could exactly. be tying really like a good fly nice you're, flies <laughs> you're not tying it for the type of rod you're using yep. and uh and i know that like you you even posted some videos if i'm not like you posted some videos on youtube of yourself tying a fly uh, you even yep. talked about your favorite type of knots that you use uh, mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit like in, into the information, I remember a few of the videos that you, you posted out of you uh, mm-hmm. tying, it was a, uh, a green fluorescent fly that you tied out. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, what's your, what's your take on it? Like in terms of what we have right now in Bathurst, like in the city itself, we mm-hmm. don't have that many people that tie flies. No. We've got pretty much like. What, what what would you say? What we, what's the we, demographic we, that we have, or I mean, the popularity that we have of people tying? There flies? is a there's a fly tying club uh, that actually ended up having you know every week there was about I'd say twelve to fifteen people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now going from a young age to uh, to older uh, adults, but if we're talking about people tying flies out there fishing hard. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess somewhere about maybe, you know, that I know of 15, 20 people tying flies to sell flies. I know of two. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Selling, I only know two. (laughs) And they're concentrated on mainly trout and salmon. Yep. They will have bass flies, but because nobody actually fishes stripers with flies here other than a select few they don't really elaborate in many patterns and many styles because they just won't sell yeah i think it it goes with popular demand a lot of times uh, exactly what they have which is is, normal yeah which is normal however i mean we touched base on this a little bit on the types of lures that we used on our last episode first right bass and as we mentioned like at a certain point it's not that they evolve or that they recognize the type of fly. It just seems to be like less interesting where yeah. like we talked about the tubes. We started off with the tubes in a certain sense. Yep. And for me, the tubes were just like a complete hit. I was, I was getting bass after bass with those ones. But then mm-hmm. at last season, I wasn't getting anything off of that. And I mean, I it's almost the same concept with flies. I, there might be a difference between striped bass and salmon, where a salmon, I mean, people go with the, the I don't know, the black bear, green butt, uh, royal mm-hmm. coachman, all that, or a McFin or whatever. But, for I mean, even if those are tried, tested, and true, I have a feeling that, like, for striped bass, you kind of have to change it up because it, it depends largely, since it's a predator fish, on what's in the yes. water at the time. Exactly. And I've noticed, like, I tie the same fly in many color variations uh, that I play around with. That's all I have in my arsenal right now. 
because again, it works. And because we're so little amount of people that fish for striped bass with the fly, you don't get no input. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of sure there's a whole bunch of other things out there that work. Yeah. And please, if anybody out there listening has any patterns, uh, any flies themselves, uh, send me some info. I'd love to learn how to tie them. Send us information uh, on it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because like I say, I just went out, looked online, and looked at my soft plastic lures and said, I'm going to try to imitate this with a fly. And it worked. Yep. Yep. But, you know. Oh yeah, and and like we've seen patterns and and different things like that of uh, of lures that that change constantly with color variations and so on and so forth. Sometimes you tell yourself like, okay, well we'll try it with a fly. Like I, I remember when I tied a, a minnow, uh, mm-hmm. I based myself entirely off of a pink white popper that I had in my tackle box. I figured, oh, well, why not? And I'm just going to try that. Uh, yep. Haven't had the opportunity to use it because I didn't have the proper type of rod to use it with until late okay. last season with the uh, the okay. switch. But okay. uh, this well, this coming season I'll, I'll be able to try it out uh, a little bit more uh, progressively. And yeah, uh, for sure, see if it works. You know what I mean? And uh, it, and part of the fun of fly fishing is that as well. Yeah, exactly. I like it's, it. It's discovering the the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> and once you figure it out, it's, it's like I said a while ago, it's, it's very satisfying to say, you know, you've caught a fish with a lure you've made yourself. Absolutely. And whether it be a fly or like you're about to talk about is uh, what you ventured into, uh, on your off season as well. Is, oh, is, <laughs> yeah. You know, ventured creating into it, lures. Yeah. Ventured into it due to a competition, but. <laughs> yeah. And it became and, a hobby. Yeah. It, exactly. It became a hobby, you know, so. Yeah. No, for sure. And. Like, I mean, the setup that you have, like, let's say uh, I've seen the setup that you have and everything like that. And, and like, mm-hmm. we're, it is what, like, every, let's say, fly tire would want to have in their own, you know, yeah. at the at the reach of, the, uh, of their own, uh, their mm-hmm. own home. But mm-hmm. uh, for sure, like, I mean, are there, obviously there are variations. I, I'm asking these questions because I'm not somebody who knows that much into it. Uh, like I said, I've, I've dabbled into it a little bit and then pretty much gave up on that. But let's say like, for <laughs> instance, all types of uh, threading, all types of, I mean, there's so many different yep. variations you can have, uh, like a netting mesh or anything of the sort. Yep. In like, what would you say is one of your, your go-tos, let's say. In well, terms like of, you say, yeah, go ahead. Like, like you say, um, I, I progressed, like I told you a while ago, I started off with the, the basic Walmart kit that had, you know, my, my bobbin and everything else, uh, you know, a cheaper version, which works fine, uh, you know, to get into it, to know if you're going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And it's like anything else with any hunting, fishing, or practically any product, through, you can always upgrade. Yep. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to upgrade uh over the over the years, uh, I probably have, I think I have four or five vices now. Uh, but I I finally got into uh, you know, some very very good quality stuff that I was able to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend you know your uh, your bobbin for your uh, for your uh, thread. Definitely get a ceramic one. Yeah. Uh, I just find it it slides in there so easy. There's no snagging. 
No snag and no uh, cutting I find end too there. Exactly. No fraying your, your, uh, yeah. your thread, yeah. which uh, for me, uh, I highly recommend that. Yeah, there's that. Um, and uh, I was going to say, actually, I was going to mention... Um, oh, darn, I actually completely forgot what I was going to mention. You forgot? <laughs> but, <yeah>. No. <laughs> That's great. But uh, no. no, it was it was based off of what you had just mentioned for, for in terms of uh, equipment and whatnot, like you said, the bobbin and all that. Oh, mm-hmm. now I remember what I was going to say. I was going to say, do you whip finish or do you hand finish? That sounds uh, sexual, but not, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> depends. That depends on the fly. Yeah. For me, it depends on the fly. Uh, I will most often whip finish smaller flies. Okay. And I Googled, I've YouTubed other knots to finish, uh, like to, to finish, uh, for larger flies. And I've just seemed to have more, like, I feel like, you know, if you got something that's striking that fly really, really hard, uh, I wanted to to make sure that the 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 finish on there held together. Yeah. And I also upgraded. Uh, I think I've shown you that, or I've told you before. I have upgraded another thing that changed the uh, the the quality of my flies. Okay. Is I went up from uh, instead of using normal head cement, mm-hmm. I went up to UV gel. Yep. UV uh, they set. put gel on then with the UV light. Uh, yep. That made the world of a difference to me. Oh yeah, probably. Uh, I you know. wouldn't doubt it. I, I've never tried it, but I wouldn't doubt that UV setting uh, contact uh, cement would. It's probably. It, anyways, it's, it's effective in all on all aspects. Yeah, it it just. I mean, it it holds together, especially using it in salt water. Uh, you know, with with fish that strike that so hard, you hear that. You know, you yeah. want something that's going to be a going to be tough enough yeah have you ever tried to do any, uh, have you ever tried tying any popper flies i have every i, I tied one okay. i have everything to uh tie them i have the the proper hooks the proper foam bodies i have everything yeah uh the one thing i didn't have and you probably actually have <laughs> was the proper uh paint or markers to paint the bodies because uh that foam is very hard yeah, and nothing really sticks to it. But yeah, well, you yeah, might, well, uh, I think I think you buy an airbrush. Huh? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did buy an airbrush, and you can you can there's a hole you can get put some thinner in there and everything like that to get it to the right uh, consistency okay. of paint. But uh, I mean, for the popper heads and and whatnot, I know Bass Pro. Like in my the reason I asked that, I've actually i've never used the popper yet for striped bass i've used it for every other type of fish and okay. well every other every common type of popper style fishing mm-hmm. um with a fly rod and uh, very productive especially for large mouth or small mouth small mouth bass it's a, it's really fun to catch them off of that but uh the popper itself is not is not i would say uh large enough to be something okay. that is uh, appealing for a striped bass, the ones that I have in the okay. uh, in my tackle box. But yep. uh, I would say, I mean, a Bass Pro, you can buy some, like you said, some, uh, yeah, some bodies have, and all that like, for it that are a little bit larger or longer uh, style. Yeah, I'm guessing the ones I got got to be somewhere around two inches for sure, mm-hmm. the bodies that mm-hmm. I got. And uh, I don't remember, there's, uh, there's different shapes. It all depends on the 
the face end of it. There's, yep. uh, they got different names for every shape. They got a different name. And again, I researched that, and I'm trying to think. I think I got like the one that's angled down towards the eyelet, and okay. also concave. Okay. Yeah. And there was a name for that because you could get it either flat concave or just angled. But the one I got has like both in there at the same okay. time. And I guess when it's concave, I think when you pop it, it makes like an air bubble, and it it like slaps the water or something i don't know well yeah the the concave one does make a, a bit of a popping noise like a uh, like a, yeah a slap or a pop or something yeah, yeah absolutely and and like i i wouldn't say that they're a little bit more difficult to cast uh they tend to be strange to cast uh i've okay i just find that like you get it's not just feathers right you, you're literally yeah exactly like, you're casting something that has foam all over it and yeah, it's a heftier size. So once again, this is a type of fly that you would use in terms of maybe with a switch uh, okay. or a very stiff weight uh, nine foot rod. Apart from that, I wouldn't yeah, use it for anything lower than that. You know what I mean? That's it. I, I like I say, I tied one and I went out to try it before I tied a whole bunch of other ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, with my with my Helios which, I mean, I can cast into wind with some pretty large flies. I was not able to cast that thing at all. Yeah. It just it which is why I, <laughs> Yeah, which, which why I didn't tie anymore after that. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And let's say, like, do you prefer, like, darker style flies? Do you prefer lighter style flies? I know it varies depending on, on the environment, depending on the weather that you're, you're, you're fishing in and stuff like that. But, I mean, for striped bass, are we looking at more, like, fluorescent style colors or are we looking more at like blue darker style colors again i uh like we spoke about i go a lot by light conditions yep but one thing all my flies have the same mylar tubing i tie them with silver mylar tubing the medium yeah because they come like small medium large size the medium mylar tubing in silver yeah and all of them have like all the tails and the the heads uh for the for the bucktail yep all of them have white with another color okay so whether it be white and blue white and red white and pink white and chartreuse white and yellow you know white is always included yep uh yeah for the body which, type for the bottom always works out well good. in the in the uh in the tail I always put the uh, the white in the bottom. Yep. But for like from the the head back, I kind of mix it in. I put it in my hair stacker. Yeah. And I kind of shake that up so it kind of mixes a little bit all around type thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I believe that the white, like I say, gives me the advantage of being able to be in any light condition, and then the added color to it just entices them a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And like. I mean, we talked about flies and everything like that, but uh, something like a bit of a variation into to what into the hobbies and and whatnot. Uh, what you had mentioned earlier on is exactly that. Like we've also dabbled into wood carving, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, wood carving onto lures that we have. Uh, we talked about it in the French episode, last French, ep- uh, the last episode five point five, which was the full on all entire hundred percent French episode. Uh, we mm-hmm. were supposed to talk about it in episode five, and we completely actually forgot to do it. So mm-hmm. we kind of made it up with this episode. 
Uh, yeah. This is a competition that we did. Uh, we decided to make a friendly competition between uh, three buddies and uh, to create our own lure that we would use for striped bass, which would be entirely out of wood, mm-hmm. carved and, and everything like that. And, and it became... Uh, well, it became a hobby and it became a channel that I, I created, Nature Strike Baits. And uh, with that, well, I've got a few, a couple videos that are up of some lures that I created uh, out of wood. And I, there's just something about it. It's relaxing to carve it, even though it's like, it's time consuming. Like this isn't yeah. something that you do just off of, well, you could do it off of one day, but I mean, you have a lot of time that you can take and be able to do it properly. It's it's very minute, just like fly tying. It's there's a lot of minute details that are required to get it done. And <clears throat> sorry. And what I liked about it is just the sheer fact of being able to, you know, create something based off of what we've, we regularly use. I mean, we regularly use soft baits or or even hard plastics uh, that are shaped in a certain form. Like you look at the rapalas, you look at the uh, poppers, jerk baits, different things like that. And I, I find that it's it's interesting to be able to try to copy that without using a plastic form. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. We're not we're not melting any liquid and turning a liquid to a solid. This is literally like you don't you can't go back on it. You start creating you this stay, form. If yeah, and and if you do a nick in it, it's gonna show. <laughs> it's gonna be there unless you end up using it to your advantage or disadvantage in your design. You know? Yeah, like, absolutely. And I mean. There's not just that. I mean, you can, a lot of the plastic, the hard plastic baits that we use, I mean, they have rattlers in it. They have, uh, they have different eyelets to be able to put some hook ties to there. Um, I mean, you got different type of lips for different types of depths. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's what I like. It's, it's a chess challenge. It's really something that, that allows you to go, okay, with this piece of wood that I have here, which is literally from a stick. I got to think of how I'm going to be able to carve it out and then fill it back up and then create something that will not block the rattle noise that I want to have. So then, mm-hmm. I mean, I went with the first one. I went with a, a McDonald's straw. I cut that, put some little okay. mini shots or beads inside, gutted out the uh, the wood uh, the wood lure, put that in there, and then... <laughs> used, glued it back together. Yeah, I glued it back together. But how I, how I glued it, I put... Baking soda and super glue. Oh yeah, that's true. I remember. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It creates a cement bond. It's insane. There's actually like I don't know what type of chemical reaction comes out of that. It smells extremely strong, and there's it actually really? gets extremely hot. Um, really? Yeah. There's like a little smoke okay. that comes out of the top of it when you do that. So <laughs> I mean, it kind of buzzes you out a it's bit. It's stuck. Yeah, it's but stuck. It's stuck. <laughs> and <laughs> the the advantage of it too is. Since the the glue seeps into the baking soda and creates mm-hmm. this type of cement, well, it you can shape it afterwards. Even if you have some like oh, deformations right. or whatnot, come, yeah, yeah, you can sand it down, and it, it the the glue is not just surface wise, but it's throughout the entire uh, gotcha the entire baking soda piece. Hmm. And uh, no, it's definitely fun. That's there, a good dip. Yeah, there's varieties. I use stainless steel uh, wire. I can't remember what gauge of wire I used. But uh, I used that, put it in the uh, drill, had it wrap around a nail, a small, uh, small nail, mm-hmm. to be able to make my eyelets. 
and then uh, super glued and also wood glued those deep inside the uh, the wood finish for the, the lure itself. Uh, one of them I tied a fly for the back end of it to create kind of like that tail effect. Yep. And then the other ones I created, one of them I carved out literally shaping of the scales. Uh, that one took a while to yes, do. Yes, the, the I trout that was your That was what, your third one? The third one, yep. I yeah, created yeah, a trout nice. and carved out and all the scalings, the, the gills and all mm-hmm. worked. It took a while. It's a long one. And uh, the second one that I made, uh, I actually made it as a swim bait where I created hinges or elbows in between both the tail end yes. and the front end. Uh, and then on top of that, I added a spoon that I created by hand as well uh, That's true. to uh, flip around, like really to create that, that reflection while it swims in the water because I didn't put a shaker in that one. Now, would you say, like, I know I'm not sure if I, if I understood right that before trying any of these, these uh, lure makings, you, you never carved... Uh, or didn't do much woodworking before that, right? <laughs> I never touched Meaning, it. Meaning, like, I never that's carved it at all. <laughs> so, so anybody, anybody can try this if if you you're interested in in finding a hobby. Maybe you know it, we're not saying that you need to be this super expert to do this either. Yeah. I mean, same as me, fly, uh, tying flies. Nobody taught me. I had flies. I looked at them. Did them. Yeah. You examined some other type of lures and said hey i'm gonna make my own for the satisfaction of making them catching fish with my own lures and you you're self-taught so anybody can do it anybody can do it and and if you think about it material wise as well i mean i went with a bare minimum i went with just a little mini saw that i found laying around i went with an exact a mastercraft exacto knife uh, that with the replaceable blade in the front there, that's kind of like a solidified. It's kind of like a flip yep. knife, but oh yes, with yeah, the exacto yeah. tip. I use that because I mean it stays sharp relatively long. Uh, and then apart from that, like I said, or just drill to be able to put the holes and a Dremel to be able to carve it out. Yeah, you could use a knife if you wanted to carve it out, and it's just a Dremel. I had more precision with it to be able to make square inlets inside. And yep. same thing with the eyes and and the rest of it. I mean, even the lips or anything like that. I used epoxy, created uh, mm-hmm. some just flat dot epoxies on the on a sheet of plastic, and then okay. went with the sander and form and shaped it out for it to be you know the lip in the front. And okay. uh, paint wise, at the beginning I started off with acrylic. Now, like you mentioned, I invested into a uh, an air gun mm-hmm. uh, for paint. Uh, but I mean, those are things you don't need really at the beginning. Like I said, no, exactly. you don't need an air gun at the beginning. You can use just a regular nope. paintbrush or a sponge uh, to make the scalings. I use the mesh uh, onion net. <laughs> An onion net, yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, geez, there's there's so much things. It, it, we're all self-taught. That's the thing that's fun about it. And exactly. It's through trial and error that you're going to get it right eventually. Uh, yeah. Persist at it, and you'll be able to get it, right? Exactly. But... Um, no, definitely is for it's it's a lot of fun and and even I I remember sending you a video through trial and error because eventually I, I invested in mm-hmm. a sander right yeah instead of hand sanding <laughs> and uh, well you got directions on those right yeah so you got to make sure that when you're sanding a piece of wood make sure you're sanding it in the right direction because that thing will fly out of your hands faster than you can ever count <laughs> and you're lucky you got that on video because because again when we did this lure challenge. Uh, last year 
we were uh, filming it. it. Yeah, we documented and exactly it. we were gonna we were gonna we put it out on on our channels to yep. uh, you know just as a friendly challenge, and uh, all three of us made videos of us doing this. So he was lucky enough to set his his camera up, then walk <laughs> over to the sander and literally like within five seconds of sanding this lure. It comes flying out of his hands, and you just you see him kind of pause, and then walk back to the camera and turn it off, <laughs> which was pretty good. Oh, that was great. That was great times. Yeah, Me thinking, was, what was. did I just do there? <laughs> yep. But uh, no, and and talking also about simplicity and, and inexpensive. I mean, one of our buddies, he just used a broom handle. Yep. Uh, an old broom handle. I mean, everybody's got an old broom, wooden broom handle that they broke the tip off and can't use it ever mm-hmm. again, just laying around mm-hmm. somewhere. You just cut a piece of that, I think like six inches of that, and was able to create a hook with that. I mean, there's exactly. nothing. There's nothing evil about it. It's it's nope. very cost effective. You can use it. You can just go in your backyard and grab a branch. If it's thick enough, you'll be mm-hmm. able to do something with it. And mm-hmm. and it's just it, you use your imagination. It's it's that's what it is. And I imagine it's the same thing with fly tying for for flies. Exactly and, the same. Know, I mean, there is some. I mean you know method general idea yeah exactly like you're but trying you still to get imitate to be something. creative about it yeah but exactly, exactly. It, it, it's it's straight to your creation it's it's your imagination you th- you don't know what it looks like underwater but you're hoping it's going to look good <laughs> yep but uh no definitely and if we were like I'll just talk briefly into that if we were to jump into topic number 2 so topic yeah. number 2 that we have today is safety a hunter's true trophy. And what what do we mean by that, Matt? What is it that we mean by safety? Well, you know, uh being brought up as a as a hunter with uh, my parents hunting excessively while I was growing up and bringing me along all the time, safety for me was drilled in to to my, you know, my upbringing in in the in the world of hunting. And it just comes natural to me now, and I'm passing it on to my children as well, you know. But uh, you hear these stories every once in a while, and like I said, just before we were uh, record, before we were setting up to record this episode, and I told you about the story I, I read about last week, uh, somewhere I'm I'm not sure which state it was in, mm-hmm. but a uh, a lady out in her yard. Uh, caught a stray round in her shoulder from luckily a a far enough distance that it it bruised her pretty bad yeah but it didn't you know it didn't penetrate the skin or nothing but i mean if she would have got it in the neck i'm sure it would not have been pleasant or in the face you know exactly like it it it, for something to bruise like that i mean it's still moving (laughs) it's still moving you get it in the eye you're gonna regret it you know what i mean like it's not gonna be fun it's not gonna be a great no no for sure and it's it's just the fact of like this being a complete stray bullet. I mean, this is something that that we learn in our hunter in, in our in our firearm safety, safety course. Yep. It like like you said, or like you say. I mean, you gotta know what's behind whatever you're you're, it, you're shooting at. Exactly. Be it at a target range or be it at anywhere. I mean, you gotta know. <laughs> you're not only shooting at at your 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 target or your your uh, harvest or you know what if you miss yeah uh, at the velocity of of rounds today 
I mean, those things are moving like a, a 22 long rifle. They're saying at the right angle will travel a mile. Yep. You know, so imagine that's a 22 LR. Imagine my my 223 super short mag, which is moving at, you know, 4,200 feet per second. Mm-hmm. That thing is going to be going at the perfect angle is going to be going a long way. And I still would not want to be at the end of that receiving it whenever it comes down. Yep. So yep, absolutely. You know, big thing there is, like you said, know what's beyond your shot. Yep. Um, whether it be, especially like, see this this incident that I just spoke about happened in a state where they're, they were coyote hunting. That's what they were doing. Okay. And, uh, you know, long rolling hills, uh, farmland, you know, it's easy to, to lose perspective of what can be on the other side of of that next hill yeah which is understandable now for us where we're hunting in mostly densely wooded areas where you're you might be sitting in a, a wood cutting and you know four or five hundred yards around you there's going to be a large amount of, of woods yep. between you and anybody else i mean i'm not saying you have to worry less about it but in the off chance that something does happen chances are on your side you will not injure anybody yeah but you still have to be safe yeah and also what comes into play massively what comes into play uh due in part to like you're saying i mean the type of environment that we hunt in we hunt in an environment that's very very dense uh conifers and everything like that and there is a ruling that is in stored largely because of this type of environment that we hunt in and that is wearing reflective clothing orange reflective clothing or bright orange clothing because as long as you can still see a little bit of orange behind whatever you're shooting then you know don't shoot (laughs) exactly i mean the better as much as i i mean i know there are people that hate it saying that Oh, well, wearing reflective clothing and everything like that, uh, I mean, it scares the animal away and so on and so forth, and they see us more. If we can see them, if we can see you, then they can see you too. But yeah. But, I mean, there's just too many accidents that happen for an Even not, with safety orange. Yeah, there's just <laughs> you know? too many accidents to happen to just say, look. I mean, pe- hunters are still getting animals, and they're still wearing yep. their safety orange. So, yep. really? <laughs> Is it I mean, worth it? you know, you know, uh, I know there's, there's actually a, um, in a square inch, uh, number on your person that you're supposed to be wearing. Yeah. Uh, I know like you, you a, need a your minimal. hat, you need your vest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need your hat, you minimal. need your vest. Yeah. Um, and here in New Brunswick, we were not allowed to have a broken, uh, orange either being as like an orange with black branches on it. Like, you know, you, yeah, you see that, uh, you can that see, camel pattern. You can see some orange camel pattern and everything like that. You even got some like pink camel patterns and, and whatnot, but that doesn't exactly. work. <laughs> no, uh, the the pink, they're, they're starting. Actually, that's one thing they're starting to want to allow it. Really? Yeah, I, I, I know that's coming. Okay. For a fact, I heard that from our did, did they have reasonings for for to say that the pink camo pattern or pink reflective clothing is 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 okay i mean obviously you're not going to see any animal with pink on them <laughs> that's it it's cuz they're they're pretty much coming to the point that it's 
it's not natural to have it in the woods, so it should be okay type thing. Okay. But they're still not okay with the the patterning, like the yeah, the broken up, the broken orange up or pink or yeah, yeah no exactly. It's gonna have to be a solid pink solid or solid color. orange. Yep. No, I, I can understand that and everything. Like once I said it, I was like, yeah, well, you know, there's nothing really pink that's out there. So exactly. It it could be seen. How far it's seen, or how far that that type of color is visible. Uh, through which lighting and everything like that well that's another debate hey, that that might be what they're they're testing now to see if they can prove because again uh like you said in our firearm safety they're saying that safe firing distance is 400 meters for rifle 200 meters for shotgun yep now are they going to do any kind of testing seeing if comparing orange to the pink if they can still see it in light conditions uh i don't know if that's what they're working on but i'm just giving examples of things they could be yeah and when we're saying meters and all that if i'm not mistaken in feet like i they don't actually kind of add they don't necessarily add up in feet no because if i'm not mistaken they say 400 meters for a rifle uh but they say a thousand feet if i'm not mistaken is it a thousand or 800 feet See, um, um, because they go two hundred or f- uh, two hundred meters, four hundred feet. Yeah, well, that's it. I think there's three foot three inch per meter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, is, is that what so, it is? Yep. Yeah. So, so see, w- that's where you'd get your nine hundred feet. Yeah. So that's why where I'm saying get like your thousand feet. Sorry, thousand feet. Thousand because feet. yeah, three point three. Th- that's why I'm saying it's not necessarily exactly the same because four hundred no. meters is is not. A thousand feet, and then yards. Yards are not the same as meters as well, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, so you got to pretty close to to the amount of feet, though. I think metric, anyways, the metric we're, system. We're not going to be going into <laughs> mathematics here. We're hunters no. and we're fishers. We're not mathematicians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> and if if <laughs> if I can give one in in this topic of safety, I mean, you know, we all we all go through the safety courses we all get probably taught by somebody else and we all know that hunting firearms can be dangerous and we you know in the excitement of the hunt and everything it can happen to to, to not think about what's beyond your target and whatnot i mean i get it uh i understand accidents happen and that's why they're called accidents but the one thing that was drilled into my head and that I've tried to drill into anybody's head that I know is getting into hunting, new to hunting, has never been hunting, yep. never, uh, you know, used firearms, is the word prep. You always got to prep your firearm. Yep. And by prep, I mean P-R-E-P, okay? Yeah, the abbreviation Point of you. P-R-E-P. Exactly. Point your firearm in a safe direction remove the ammo examine the bore and presume your firearm is always loaded if you follow those four simple points i definitely believe you will not have an accident Hmm. you know uh you see it too often guys get into their vehicle and they throw their their firearm in there's one in the chamber and something hits the trigger and it goes off in the floorboards well, you know, it, it's still an accident. Nobody got hurt, but it was an accident that could have turned bad. Yep. 
Actually, you know what? I just did the uh, the calculations. Uh, this was preoccupying <laughs> my mind. <laughs> okay. So if we look at 400 meters in feet, comes up to 1,320 mm-hmm. feet. So I was even okay. I was even too short. Under. I was you were under. under what it was actually, yeah. Yeah, and if you're looking at 200 meters, you're looking at 660 feet. Now, a meter and a yard, Which what's the, just because now I'm curious, which one is, is more, a meter or a yard? I'm going to check that out. I think a yard Two is yards. more than a meter. I think it's only like two point something. Oh, really? Yep. I believe I'm, I'm, I'm Googling that right now with the high speed internet that I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> one meter is the equivalent to 1.094 yards. Actually, a yard is more a than a A yard meter. is longer. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Correct. Yeah, I knew that. So if you're looking at 400 meters... You're looking at 437.445 yards. No, it should be opposite. should be opposite. <laughs> I don't understand why that's the way that it is, but apparently that's Google calculation is very strange because they say 400 meters is equivalent to 437.445 yards. But they're saying a yard is more than a meter. They're saying one meter is equivalent to 1.094 yards. Okay. No, uh, one meter is is more than a yard. It takes more yards for one meter. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the one that was wrong. Anyway, that was <laughs> off subject, but it just it was preoccupying us. So, yes, this was really getting into my mind. So, in reality, you need to be 1,320 feet with a rifle and 660 yep. feet with a, uh, with a shotgun. Yep. To be in legal terms. Yep. In Canada, in New Brunswick, in in New Brunswick, I don't know if that's the same all around, all across Canada, and I don't know if the what the rules are in the states as well. So, and you know what, I'm just going to elaborate on something too that we said. Know what's behind your target. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just a quick interruption on your your prep. uh, No, no, I'm done with prep. Your prep, (laughs) uh, yeah, but uh, not just that. But I've actually seen an episode. uh, If I'm not mistaken, it was can't remember which uh, what was the name of the the show but uh they actually were hunting in an area that was quite flatland area like long distances and whatnot Mm -hmm. and uh one of the animals that they were hunting as they were tracking it they started going up a berm and then they started hearing bullets flying over their heads and they literally were stumbling upon a firing range. There was a firing range and they were behind the hill oh, of the man. area of the receiving end of the the firing range. Wow. So they were that could have turned bad. And they fast. got it all on video too, where you could hear the bullets whizzing, like hitting off the top of the hill and going like like literally wow. taking off. And that's when they realized that it they were literally at the back end, the receiving end of a fire of range. Of a shooting range. Yeah. Wow. Uh, of a firing range. Shooting range. Like, it's not just to know what's behind your target, but it's to know where you're at, too. Yeah, that's true, too. a lot of New Brunswick hunters, we don't just go and sit in one area and then wait for the animal to come there. There's a lot of of hunters out there that travel by foot, so know Mm -hmm. where you're going so you don't Mm -hmm. end up in an area you're not supposed to be. (laughs) Yep, definitely. And... Again, comes in the safe, the importance of Hunter Orange. Yep, definitely. Oh yeah, they they 
they they hunkered down. They had to call somebody. They said, uh, what's happening around us? The guy on the other end of the phone did research, figured out that they were actually near a firing range. They had to advise, call the firing range, tell them to stop shooting because those guys, they could easily just as much gotten hit trying to get out of there as getting, of course. you know, standing up and trying to run away. But you get hit with a straight <laughs> one when you're you're running away. I mean, that's not any that's better. It. Nope. So they had to call the firing range, get the, the guys that were in charge there to stop everybody firing so that they could get out of there safely. Uh, it's just... Wow. It, it, I was actually like, well, like, how do you end up this way? <laughs> how unlucky can that be? Yeah, exactly. How unlucky can you be to end up in a situation like this in Rolling Hills too? Like, you probably exactly. could have seen it from a mile away. <laughs> yeah, but the excitement of the hunt, again, it comes into the excitement of the hunt. You know, you're, you're tracking something, you're getting in there, you get preoccupied with other things, and safety yep. just goes out the window. Yeah, absolutely. It's just... Sometimes we, we are not negligent, but oblivious no. to the actions that we are doing. Exactly. And and that's that's where things happen that are not supposed to happen. It's just stay exactly. aware of everything. Well said. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, definitely with that said, uh, I'd like to jump into the product of the day. And product yeah. of the day is actually something that you will be able to explain quite a lot more than I will. So I'm giving you <laughs> this one. <laughs> Again, like we were talking about in our first topic, we were talking about uh, our hobbies and, and mine was fly tying. And as I mentioned, you know, uh, I progressed uh, over the years in my equipment. And uh, the the fly tying comes down to one major part, if you ask me, and it's your vice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can tie flies with any vice out there. Don't get me wrong. Any vice will work. But... Yep. Upgrading your vice to a top quality vice makes it more uh, enjoyable, also more time efficient for creating a lot of flies if you're going to be, like myself, trying to, you know, supply flies or Mm -hmm. uh, make larger batches of flies. So for the product of the day, uh, I highly recommend the Norvice fly tying system. And the Norvice uh, original rotary fly tying vise. Okay. It is freestanding on a pedestal. Uh, it has a nice clamping system that clamps down on your fly really, really good. But the big thing is, is that when you clamp your fly into it, it has, uh, your, your fly becomes perfectly centered on a rotating shaft. And you have your little handle on the end. So as you're, you know, wrapping your your thread around, instead of doing the the classic, you know, whipping your your hand around your fly, you just hold your thread back and then you turn your fly, you turn your your vice, which makes in turn, turns your fly on itself, which which threads it so much faster. You get nice clean lines, you you know, you can really uh... guide it. The, you know. the knob in the back there it's kind of like a little exactly. free-floating wheel that you can turn in the back and it, yep your your fly turns on itself rather than you turning around the fly exactly and yeah. again there's a there's a bunch of different ones out there uh but this norvice uh i mean top quality made in the usa uh very solid product i've had it for i've had it for i'm gonna say f- five years now at least Mm -hmm. and uh it was 
I was lucky enough to have it given to me uh, from one of my uh, good buddies uh, from North Carolina. Okay. He he uh, when he passed away, he gifted this uh, this whole all his fly tying equipment. He gifted it to me. Okay. And uh, I was lucky enough to get it. But again, I highly recommend it. It's the Norvice rotary fly tying vice. Uh, as again, you know, we always talk about price for fly tying vices. I mean, you can run anywhere from you know. Again, any vice works. This one here uh, you does come in. If you wanted to. <laughs> it, you could, yeah, you could. But this one here comes in at a high price. It is three hundred ninety-five US. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is way up there in quality and everything. If you're the the guy that just wants to tie a couple flies, you're probably not going to be looking into this. But if you're somebody that's really passionate about it and wants to get into it and and do a lot of it, I highly recommend it. Yeah, you said three ninety five US, right? Yes. Oh smokes! <laughs> so if we're looking at three ninety five, three ninety five US, we're looking at roughly. Let's see here. We are going to Google this again. Actually, how about you Google it? <laughs> three ninety three ninety five US in present day currency, like in right now the currency value. I say present day, like if it's an old thing, but. That's not yeah. what I meant. Just currency has 49983. 499.83 you say? 500. 599.83? No, no. 499.83. Oh, okay. So okay. $500 can 500 bucks. 500 yep. smackaroos that will yep. get you that. But yep. it's worth it. It's I built. I strongly believe so. Yeah, it's it's built to be used and 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 nothing and and no way less. I mean in no exactly. way less is it is it made anything. I mean, anyways, <laughs> we but, understood what you meant. Yeah, exactly. I'm mumbling on. It's getting late, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that said, uh, our product of the day, as as mentioned, is the Norvice, uh, vice Norvice vice, <laughs> Norvice rotary vice, A rotary vice to tie flies that is our suggestion uh, of today's episode for the product of the day uh, once again i'd like to also thank our sponsors for this episode well our sponsor for the episode west end sports where you are sure to find something that will rev your heart uh, we really enjoy the you know we really enjoy and we're really appreciative of uh, you know the dedication that they have put into this episode and into the show to help Matt and I uh, to continue to do podcasts and to bring information and to bring the things that we love to you guys. And also, uh, we also want to thank all you guys for, you know, giving us comments, giving us suggestions. We use it, we listen, and we'll be bringing them out into our future episodes. So with that said, I'd like to thank all of you and wish you great a great day. Have a good one. Have a good one, guys. Mm-hmm.